Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers, and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often this hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed, full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Ahmed Ares, founding engineer at Heron Data. Ahmed knew from early on that he wanted to one day found his own company, and his career choices, from joining Revolut, finishing his education early, and joining Heron Data early in the company's own journey, have been steered by a clear focus on this ultimate goal. However, Ahmed has a unique ability to ground this consideration for the destination in a genuine love of the journey. He stresses the importance of discipline and effective prioritization in discovering our own work, and describes the influential role that tennis and video games played in his own pathway. Ahmed discusses how to make decisions with clarity as opposed to certainty and how one of the most important realizations in his own career path has been to focus on people who inspire him rather than focus narrowly on technical or professional fields when choosing where to work. What role has discipline played in your working life? Right. So that's a good question. So um, whenever, like, you know, I started my career at a, at a company like Revolut. Um, and I think people around, you know, you know Revolut and people around the world know Revolut. And, you know, I was very young when I did. I was, I was 20 when I started my career over there. And from the beginning, I had big projects. So two weeks into Revolut, they asked me, you know, Ahmed, we have this problem of people getting into other people's Revolut account. We want to build a third, a new authentication system that that a new security feature, where if if someone tries to log into your Revolut account, we want them to take a selfie and compare that selfie to you know uh, when you when you open the account. And if the both faces match, you can enter. Otherwise, you can't, right? And so you can imagine, I was only an intern. I had no work experience, and I was given this huge project that was going to impact the whole Revolut app, right? And so you know. When you have such a project, you need to start. You need to start working early. Uh, first of all, um, you shouldn't uh, uh, like a lot of people just wait until like the last week, for example, or like the last few weeks to start like crushing it. But I knew, uh, you know, we're like building this is with practice. So I started extremely early, and so every project that I have usually that I get or you know that I think about, I always start extremely early doing it. And that, I think, is a product of, of discipline because I know what's out there. I know what's what's coming um, and I shouldn't let uh, I shouldn't let myself just uh, start at the end. Right. Um, second one is also maybe also my personal life. I think to be the best version of, of employee employee that you can be, you need to, for example, value sleep. So sleep early. Uh, during the week. And so in my personal life, I'm someone who is very much on the work hard, play hard. Well, during the week, I am extremely disciplined where I sleep early, I eat extremely healthy, I work extremely hard. And then on the weekend, I try to be a different person where, you know, I'm more social, I go out a lot more. And I see a lot of people out there that mix both where, you know, during the week, it's Wednesday, they have a big deadline coming up, a big presentation coming up. And 
they just let themselves go on a Wednesday night or on a Tuesday night, which to me, I mean, it might, you might say yeah, it's fine, but to me, it's not. And that separation, that balance that comes between, you know, who you are at work time versus who you are at social time makes a big difference on a daily basis. How do you reconcile that against, uh, I guess, situations where we need to be our kind of true selves and it sounds like almost when you've got these two versions of Ahmed, like how do you, I mean, are you being your truest self in both of those instances? And how does someone continue to make sure that they are kind of like really being themselves without compartmentalizing in any way? Well, I think here, maybe the point here is not to be two different people, is to know what to prioritize on a given time. Right. So, for example, during the week, like I'm, I try to always be enthusiastic and positive energy to everyone during, you know, either during the week or, or within the weekend, because that's the kind of person I want to be. But I know that, for example, I don't know if I have a big deadline coming up or a big presentation coming up on a, let's say, uh, Thursday at 10 a.m. The most important thing to me at that moment. So on Thursday or on Wednesday evening is that presentation. Therefore, I will optimize, I will put myself in a position where I can be the best Ahmed I can be on that Thursday at 10 a.m. So it's not about like be two different people, it's to know what to prioritize at a given time and put yourself in a position where that thing you have prioritized. So in this case, maybe we're talking about work. So in that presentation, supposedly at 10 a.m., if that's the most important thing to you, then you should put yourself in a position where you are the best version of yourself at that given time. Right. But it's not about being two different people. It's about knowing what to prioritize and when. How have you used that, not just in your kind of weekly routine, but in your longer term routine? How It sounds like you have real clarity on kind of where you're headed and you need to know what your priorities are in the first place in order to be able to align your behavior against them. Does that play itself out on a longer term basis? And if so, how so? Right. So... Something, a framework that I use in my life to make big life decisions, and in this case, how, you know, how to approach the long-term career is to ask myself, you know, what kind of person do I want to be remembered for? What kind of person do I want to be? And so, for example, I know me as Ahmed, I want to become a founder, not, not in terms of title, but in terms of impact. I want to have the impact I want to have on the world. So if I am at point A right now, let's say right now I'm being here an engineer in London, and point B is to be the best version of an entrepreneur, of a founder that I can be. Right. I know where I want to head. And so what is the optimal step that I can take right now that can get me closer to that point B? Let me give you a concrete example. In December 2019, I had the choice of either getting going back to uh, school to finish my master's or staying at Revolut for full time. Right. So Revolut told me, you know, you could go back to school and then come back in a year's time. And it's a very difficult conversation to have, for example, with your parents. And in this case, I think my mother was a bit, uh, she wasn't really okay with me dropping out of school. But I knew that, you know, I was at the time an intern at Revolut and I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And to me, the next step was clear. Like the, between like picking the decision of either going back to school or, st or staying at a company that was taking off like Revolut and my impact was so big at that time. The, the step, like the next step was clear. And every single decision that I make, especially career-wise, but also in life in general, well, that's what I try to, that's what I, well, that's what I try to 
be and that's what I try to do. If I want to be remembered as this person who brought positivity, who inspired people, who inspired their friends, I like being that person who brings the best out of my friends. So how can I act on a daily basis to be remembered like that person? How do you know you want to be a founder? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, apart from the fact that people have been telling me around, like people just telling me, I, it feels right to me. That's what feels the most like right thing to do. And is, is that because there's, it sounded like you, you I come on, you did you use the phrase like remember, I think like, like being, you wanted, what was the phrase you used? Sorry, was it imp impact or? Impact. I guess, why do you want to create that type of impact? And do you know, it sounds like you, you know, you want to have a large amount of impact, but don't know what the impact is that you want to have. So what, what I wonder why, why you want that impact? Well, I think the answer here is pretty easy for me. It just energizes me. Like when I think of my time, I don't know, at a company when I was working at Rev or even here, here, like what I'm doing in my career right now, you know, the people around me are probably the, first, the most important thing, you know, because they pull me up and those things, they are what makes me happy on a daily basis. But when I think of the fact that something I built or I worked on that had a big impact on people, that just makes me sleep peacefully at, at night. And it energizes me on a daily basis. Like that energy gives me is just incomparable with anything in the world. So, okay, so I, now if I know what energizes me and I know what kind of person I want to become, I don't know if I built that as a mental model or if it just appears to be, but both actually go together, you know? Mm -hmm. That's an extraordinary. You have this incredible energy. And <laughs> it, it's, um, it's rare to find someone who's like raw energy is the thing that is driving them versus like i guess like an idea or a worry or but it feels like it's it's actually this kind of just this this raw energy where does it come from honestly ben i, I have no idea like i didn't realize it like when i joined when i started my career uh, my first performance review i was like ahmed has such positive and high energy and then in my second job I, someone even told me, my old manager told me, I wish I could take your energy, bottle it and give it to people. And the, my third job, my first performance review is, you know, energy. And this comes from, you know, both my, the founders of the company, but also like people like that work with me. And that's when I realized, I was like, I had no idea. But to answer the question, where does it come from? I don't know. I don't know if it's something that I was born with or maybe tennis gave it to me as I grew up or it's just in general, I just, you know, love where I am. I love what I'm doing in life. And, you know, maybe maybe happiness in general gives you this energy. I can't answer that question, but I know it's here and, I, and that's my superpower and I want to use it in whatever I'm going to do next. How did the how did the tennis impact you and what what is that story and, and how on earth do you go from potentially becoming a professional tennis player to becoming a machine learning engineer at Revolut and now like the founding engineer at Startup? Uh, yeah, no, that's a good question. So I started playing tennis when I was, I think, four years old, right? Um, and I have one of my older oldest brothers, I mean, who was also playing tennis. So we were kind of like, you know, tennis people in the family. So I started training when I was four years old. And around nine, I think in 2008, so I was 10 years old, um, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try to play some tournaments. 
in Tunisia. I was 10 years old. And I think that one of the first tournaments I played, I won. I be became number one in the country for my age range. And that's when I, we started to understand that maybe there's something here. So that it wasn't really planned. That just came out of nowhere? You were just like, yeah, I'm going to go play some tournaments and like uh, you just come first? I mean, I, I, I played for six years, so I knew I was, we were training, but I didn't know if I was good or not. We needed to, to go on tournaments to know if I was good or not, you know? So I ended up first, and then the second tournament, I win again, and then the third tournament, I win again. And things started just going well, and, you know, I was being coached by one of the best coaches back in Tunisia, uh, who I owe a lot of, uh, you know, who I am today. And I, my family was very supportive as well. Um, I had a brother who always came to every game. He was very supporting, uh, supportive with me. And, you know, I continued playing. So at 10, I think I finished number two or number one in Tunisia. At 12, uh, so in 2010, uh, I also finished first or second in Tunisia. And I continued playing professionally until I was about 14. And then I had to make a decision. I was like, okay, should I focus all my energy on school or on, on tennis? I loved tennis and I was not, I mean, I was not bad. I was pretty good at it. Um, but I knew somehow that it wasn't where I wanted to head next. I love tennis, but not enough to make it my whole life. And so what happened was, okay, so I didn't want to go into tennis. What do I want to do in my life? And I was young at that time, and I was always playing a lot of video games with my friends, uh, more, more specifically Call of Duty. And actually video games got me extremely close to my friends. We got extremely close, and today some of my best friends come from those times where we were playing games together. And so I said, well, I'm seeing that video games can have a very positive impact on people. And this, in my case, the social part. Let me try to pursue this, not as a player, but as a creator, you know? And so I told myself, okay, where I want to head next is build video games. What is the next thing, best thing I can do to become, you know, to become big in the video game industry? And the answer such was- such a young age to be <laughs> like working through these huge decisions at 14. Well, I mean, just on a side thing, I am lucky to have been uh, around people that are very inspiring uh, my whole life. And um, I was always like with people older than me. So, you know, I was 14 in the class of 16. I started university when I was 16. So I spent my whole life being around people that are older than me. And I think that helped me get the maturity I needed to make these decisions from, a, from an early age. And so to get back on the, on the background story, um, you know, and then when I decided to study computer science, I went to the Netherlands and I was 16. Um, and for a year and a half, I couldn't go out because I was, you know, I was 16 and people can only go out at 18 over there. And so I was like, okay, I can't really go out. I can't do much in my weekends. What am I going to do? Well, I want to become proficient in the video game industry. I can't go out. Therefore, I'm going to use my time to build video games. So I started building video games. And that's where I, I learned how to code mostly. Computer science degree doesn't teach you how to code, it teaches you mostly how to solve problems. But I learned how to code mostly from my video games. And I have a chance that over time to build and ship. And one of them is on Android right now. I'm not sure if people are playing, but the fact that just one person just played it and liked it to me made the whole world. To me, it was, it was amazing. Um, and so, okay, so now I'm at university, I'm building games. And around when I was about like 18, I got into this whole like computer vision machine learning world because I got super interested in virtual reality. And the technology of virtual reality to me is the big future because it's the only technology in the world that tricks the human brain. So I started to shift a little bit from video games to VR, but both stay as our experiences. So from video games to VR. 
And I went to do my master's with a specialization in computer vision uh, at EPFL in Switzerland. Um, and halfway through my master's, I get this internship at Revolut uh, as an ML engineer specialized in computer vision. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go for six months uh, and come back and finish my master's. And then, you know, halfway through, I get a full-time offer and I just stayed. And then since then, my career has started. It's fascinating that as you've navigated your journey, it sounds like you're not only extraordinarily ambitious and driven and want to do the very best work that you possibly can, but at the same time, you're also just doing what you're interested in. Absolutely. It is the, I've, I feel like at this moment right now in my life, I found the perfect combination because I do what I love. Um, I'm doing what I love. I'm being surrounded by very inspiring people. And at the same time, it's also heading where I want to be. And I don't know how lucky, like, I, I realize how lucky I am that those two are just to go together. They don't all that often. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think what I see out there when I talk to people is usually they don't know where they want to be. That's the, that's the thing that I see missing most often which for some people might be not a problem, but for me, it's unacceptable if I'm at a certain point in my life and for months or even years, I don't know what kind of person I wanna become. To me personally, as Ahmed, it's, it's unacceptable. And so I always try to not put myself in that position. It's interesting to wonder what might happen when you do reach that. <laughs> um, um, I think, so, I'm more about the journey and the process rather than the result. So, you know, right now I tell myself, you know, I want to become a founder and I want to have a ma maximum as impact as possible. But can you really ever reach the maximum impact? I don't know. I can become a founder. I could probably maybe in two years build a company and, you know, become a CEO and maybe I have an amazing team and having a great impact. But I think there's always more to be done. And I'm not saying this, saying that, you know, I'm not enjoying the process. I just want to get there because no, that's wrong. I'm not only like, that's something I look forward to, but I always make sure to enjoy the journey. So I, so answer your question, I don't think I'll ever reach the final point. And I don't want to, in a way, I just want to keep continue working. And if at some point I feel like I reached the point where I can't move, move, like I can't grow more, it means I have to probably rethink my path a little bit. It's funny because I think that so often we see following our interests and our passions and having this drive and desire to have impact. We see them as in some ways mutually exclusive and two different separate things that don't talk to each other. Like I'm in the rat race, I'm working so hard, I'm trying to do a good job in my career, blah, blah, blah. But maybe I'm like not really truly that passionate about that thing and that actually I want to do something different. But it it sounds like it's absolutely not the case in your circumstance. And I wonder why you're able to find it and have such clarity on it when other people find it so difficult. So I think, um, you know, if you ask me right now, like, you know, I have clarity, but maybe there is a world, there is a version of the world where the vision where I'm, that I'm working towards is not the right one. It might be, right? And the fact that I'm taking all of these steps to reach that vision, even if at some point, let's say in five years, I completely shift. I, I don't want to become a founder anymore. Maybe I want to become a tennis player, right? I have this belief 
that all the steps that I took to reach that first vision A, even if it changes at the end, will be beneficial for vision B. And so that's what I think that people out there don't really always get, is that it's okay to choose something, even if it's gonna change later on. I think people out there usually are thinking, oh, but once I find something, it cannot change. If I wanna, you know, if I'm gonna take the path of becoming, let's say an artist, I have to follow that path my entire life. And that's very scary. It's very scary to say, I'm gonna follow that for my entire life because you know, in reality, you don't know who you're gonna be in five or 10 years. Maybe you're gonna meet someone, it's gonna change everything. Maybe you're gonna have a, I don't know, you're gonna go on a trip and it's gonna change everything. I'm not scared of that. And that's, the, that's something that I, you know, I try to work, to keep in myself is that I'm not scared of that. I'm not scared of the fact that maybe in three years, I don't wanna do all of this anymore. Maybe I would want to become an artist and I'm okay with it. But right now at this moment T, I know where I wanna head and I will do everything for it. If it changes later on, I am convinced that all the steps that I'm taking right now will somehow be beneficial for also that new version of myself if it ever changes. As human beings, I think we need this, almost this like kind of pyramid triangle where the our decision-making doesn't work unless we are looking ahead and we have this thing in the future. I wonder whether it's anything to do with time and the impact that time has on our biology and then the way that we make decisions because if it was if we it, it almost feels like if things were flat that wouldn't be the case and you would you would just like literally live in the moment and it'll be completely okay but because we we need this this destination in some ways to be able to actually define the decisions today turns out the destination doesn't matter in the kind of like in the end but in order to make a decision you just almost have to recognize that you you need to choose something that's outside of your outside of your remit, something that you need to chase. Absolutely, um, I've read multiple times, and I think in neuroscience books, where us as human beings, it is impossible, physically impossible, for us to project ourselves in the future. What all we do, all the decisions we make, are based on our past experiences. But a framework that I also use to make decisions is. I, I trust a lot my gut feeling and peace of mind. If I make a big decision and I feel in peace with it, I know it's the right one. And I think, I think people out there, either, I don't know, maybe they don't listen so much to their gut feeling or you know they don't really value peace of mind. But that's why also I'm not afraid to make any big decision. Like if tomorrow, I don't know, I say, you know, if I tomorrow wake up and my gut feeling tells me, you know, I got to change everything, change path and go to something else. And then I make that decision and I sleep with a peace of mind. I know for a fact it was the right decision. Or at least I believe it was the right decision. And that's enough to make it right for me. And that's enough to give me the energy to pursue it and to the, and try at least to be the best at it. It's, it sounds similar to a our concept that I've been using, which is where, where you it is you are far better to find clarity, not certainty. And the different there's a huge difference between the two certainty is <laughs> the, the kind of you know that it will actually happen but <laughs> when we make decisions we can never really be certain of their outcome um so what you should actually optimize for is clarity and it sounds like you've almost created this six kind of this physical embodiment of that <laughs> day to day when you're like going to bed and you've got that peace of mind <laughs> i try to <laughs>
How did you decide to leave Revolut? Because that must have been a a big call that challenged some of that decision making. And how, how did it happen? Well, as Revolut grew, you know, um, I, I love my experience. I had a great time at Rev. I owe my team at Rev a lot of who I am today. Unfortunately, as it grew and they were applying for banking license, etc. As a machine learning engineer, I had to do less engineering work and more opsy work like ops. So for example, let me give you an example, right? I used to before, if I had an idea um, and I need to ship something, they tell me, Ahmed, go for it, build it, ship it, test it and ship it in production. Cool, I'll do it. And towards the end of my work there, if I had an idea and I wanted to ship it, I was asked to talk to lawyers to prove that my model was, for example, fair. So for example, I was working with computer vision, so I needed to prove that my model worked better, worked as well on, let's say, people of color than people of not of color. And I was, I just wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to be the person working on that. And there was no choice. Like I didn't want to spend my time as a 21 year old engineer talking to lawyers and proving to them that my models were okay versus actually building and shipping. And so once, you know, that touched on who, that, what kind of person I want to, you know, again, what kind of person I want to develop into, which is the person that builds ships and, you know, stays close to the team, etc. And I had to like spend a lot of time talking to lawyers, doing politics. The answer became obvious to me, that it was the, it was the time for me to leave. Did that happen quickly or slowly? And what was that realization like? How did it manifest? Honestly, I would say it happened across maybe a few months where things started to change and you can feel it. You can feel that things, you want to do things fast, which is exactly what Revolut was amazing at. Do things fast, ship fast. And I could start seeing that whenever I wanted to ship things fast, unfortunately, it just, it just didn't work out. Like I, people were telling me, um, you know, uh, you have to do this and you have to do that before we need to validate that, you know, you have the right to ship this, etc. So maybe I'd say it took maybe four or five, six months to make that realization. And for some people, it might take a bit more, but, you know, I knew exactly that it's not the kind of person I wanted to develop into. Therefore, I just decided to leave. And how did you decide what to do next? Because it must have been uh, you, you, you're getting you can feel yourself getting closer away to the person that you truly want to be. You got multiple options here. Join a bigger company, join a tiny company, found your own company. How did you narrow down those choices and what was that journey like? Right. So, you know, I was, you know, I was leaving Rev. I was still young. I didn't feel like building my company yet. Um, I didn't feel ready with these kind of decisions. People say you don't feel ready. I don't think that's true. I think it's like getting married. Uh, whenever it feels right, uh, you do it. And so, okay, so I had either joined a bigger company or a smaller company. And the question was, in the process of becoming the best version of an entrepreneur that I can be, what is the next optimal sub-step I can take to reach that? I knew that at a big company, probably would get a higher salary, be more comfortable. But I knew at a smaller company, I would learn how to build. And I would learn how to build a company from scratch. And so uh, that's what I decided to do. I decided to just join an early stage startup.
um, because I knew that that's what got me closer to Ahmed, the founder. Um, and basically it boiled down to that. And when you were deciding which early stage company to join, how did you, what were you looking for to optimize to be that, that great founder? So at that time, I wanted to go get into like, you know, I, I was still very fascinated by the gaming world. So I decided to go into the gaming space. That's where I found the startup that was focused on gaming. And this was perfect because I was given a position of lead. So I would be building something big from scratch. And it was around the gaming space. And especially it also touched on the computer vision. So it was a, a company that was building games based on movement where you would place your phone somewhere, you would go sit in the, go in the back. And if you start moving with your body, there was a character inside the phone that would follow your body movements. And so to me, it was perfect. It was gaming and you know, the, the field was amazing. That's where I wanted to head. It was the technology I was working with. It was an early stage startup. And therefore, to me, that was the right thing to do. So that's how I made the decision. So it's just a combination of all of those different things. Yes. Yes. So, you know, field, what I'm, what I'm going to be doing on a daily basis, and especially does it get me closer mm. to, um, uh, to the person I want to be? And I knew that an early stage startup would. Mm. But am I right in saying that's not what you're doing now? No, that's not what I'm doing. So, you know, you asked me about the, the, that experience. So that experience last, lasted for three months, unfortunately, not for so much. And the reason that happened was because that startup completely shifted. Um, you know, it was a great team. Um, I'm still in contact with them today. I mean, we still talk and we had a great relationship. And what happened was that they completely shifted. I was hired as a lead machine learning engineer who specialized in computer vision, and they stopped doing computer vision. Uh, they just started doing game development. Now, I was doing game development, but I wasn't an expert at it. I did it when I was young. I built a couple of games, but I wasn't very, I wasn't like, it wasn't my specialty. So unfortunately, after three months, what happened was that they said, okay, Ahmed, you're amazing. And you know, we, we loved working with you, but you're not, you're a computer vision person. We're not doing computer vision and we'll have to let you go. And, you know, at that moment I was fairly crushed. Um, my career was taking off, you know, everything made sense. Um, I was 22 and I feel like I was going some through something. And I remember my, my roommate at the time was saying me to you know, you're 22 and you're living already where a 30 year old lives. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but at that time I was crushed and I, I just, I, I didn't know what to do. I lost self-confidence for a month or so. Yeah. I must've felt I, awful. It was awful because I knew it wasn't me. Like I, I knew it wasn't my performance, but still to me, it was perfect. Like I had the perfect opportunity, gaming and good team, etc. Um, and so I spent a month like kind of thinking about what I want to do. I started like thinking about, you know, building my company, etc. And I said, maybe this is the right moment. And then, you know, what happened was that I spent two weeks just really thinking. Um, and I told myself, no, I still need, I think I still, I still have a lot to learn. And so I went on my network and I said, who do I think in my network is going to become a great, who in my network is a great founder and I want to be like them. I didn't focus on the field this time. I didn't focus on what I want to do. I focused on the people. And this was the main difference. The first time 
You could say it's a mistake or not. It felt right at the time was to focus on the field and what I want to do. This time I said, I'm not going to focus on the field. I'm not focused on what I want to, I'm going to do exactly. Like, I don't know. I don't care if it's computer vision or not. I'm going to focus on the people who is in my network really inspiring. And I think they're going to do great. And I want to be like them and are going to get me closer to being Ahmed, the best version of an entrepreneur that I can be. And that's when I thought about who is currently my manager, uh, Dominic. Um, and Dominic was a director at Revolut. And I spoke to him only twice, but I felt something was right with him. And I just texted him. I was like, hey, I'm looking for a position. Uh, I know you're in an early stage startup, which is called Heron Data now. Um, are you looking for someone? And it appeared that yes. So I interviewed and I, and I joined, um, uh, I think, a month and a half after being let go from my first position. And looking back now, being let go a year and a bit ago, it was the best thing that happened to me. Because what I've learned in the past year about building a company, I couldn't have learned it anywhere else. I am surrounded by very inspiring people. And I feel more and more ready to go and build my own thing. And I'm like, I learned so much that I feel more and more ready. I'm not there yet, but I know it is in the right direction. And I could feel it. I could feel it in my peace of mind when I sleep at night. And especially my gut feeling tells me that I'm doing the right thing. And at the end, that's the most important bit for me. That's funny how you, as you explained that, I was thinking, yeah, this is a, br a brilliant introduction on how to build a company by literally being let go because your role completely changes and then you messaging your old boss and then working with it. Like this is, that you're getting the best like raw education of what it's really like in the early days because it is messy and difficult. But yet you would never necessarily consciously choose that path despite the fact that it might be the best education you might look at that and be like no actually the nicer path is like join early stage startup early stage startup does really well kind of it that you would rather you would you think before you go into it that that would be better you don't proactively choose the difficult path despite the fact that it sounds like it's working out so to you, you're mentioning like, you know, uh, easier versus difficult path. So I'm getting here that, you know, if the easier path is to go for an early stage startup and a difficult path is just to stop everything and go build your company. I just, is that right? No, like I, how do I phrase this? When you were deciding to join that gaming company, yeah. you didn't make the decision. If you had known what you know now, you yeah. probably would have done the same thing again Yes, because it's given you what you wanted. But if someone had told you that that was what was going to happen, you may have looked at that and thought, I don't think that is the optimal path. And it seems like that's in some ways the one of the the tricky parts to trying to build your working journey perfectly is that actually the true greats have a messy working journey that teaches them a lot. And it, but it, but our brains work the other way around, and we think that the narrative has to make sense because we like stories that, that kind of go kind of upwards and to the right. But in truth, that really isn't how you learn how to build a company. I think that's a fair point. And just to come back to your point, if someone had told me that you know what, that's what's going to happen, the last experience, probably I would say probably yes, I wouldn't have picked that because I don't, I don't want to have that again. I don't want to feel like that again, right? Now, the answer to that question will always forever be unknown. Um, but what I do know is that I'm a big believer in the fact that everything happens for a reason. And you might sound like it's a cliche, but you know, if you've ever watched the Steve Jobs um, speech at Stanford in 2005, who I, in my opinion, is the best speech I've ever been in the history of humanity. The fact that I 
that someone believes in that is enough. Like if I look back right now and I tell myself, oh, you know, it, it happens for a reason that I joined that company and I, I was let go of, even if I felt terrible at that time. Just the fact that I believe in it and I believe that that's the best way of getting me closer to my goal, which is building a, a billion, 10, 50, I don't know, what the, sky, the sky's the limit, so what a uh, $100 billion company um, and actually have an impact on the world. I believe that that was the best path. Is that the right or is that correct or not? No, and it honestly on my daily basis, it doesn't matter. I just believe in it, and that's enough. How do you balance emotion and rationality at the same time when you're making key decisions? Because you are the ty you are the type of person who listens to yourself and your body and your emotions, and they inform certain parts of your decisions. But there's also a responsibility to, I guess, quiet down our monkey brain and be rational and recognize that we are kind of fallible pieces of biology that need taming at certain points. How do you find the balance in key moments? So there's a few ways I do balance emotions and rationality, either in big decisions or in smaller decisions. First one is... I always sleep on my decisions. And this is extremely important to, before making any big decision, to sleep on it. There's a whole book called Why We Sleep, which is, you know, the reason why we sleep and what happens when you don't. And it explains what happens to your brain when you just sleep on it. And this is probably the number one thing that I do. Whenever there's a big decision, I sleep on it. Two, I try to be always, you know, I'm surrounded by, I'm lucky to be surrounded by very inspiring and people and there are mentors, uh, either friends here or my brothers. Um, and I ask for advice and I'm convinced that those people want the best out of me, not out of jealousy. They won't like lead me to, to the wrong decision. They want what's best out of me. So number two is ask the right people. And I'm already lucky to be surrounded by some of the most inspiring people that I've ever met. And three, maybe this is the final one. I always try to put myself in a position where I can make the best, the best decisions uh, like on a daily basis. For example, I try to exercise a lot. And the reason why I do that is not so much, you know, to look good or like for my body, no. Because I know that when you exercise, you I, I personally feel very good. And a lot of my decisions that have come, whether ideas for games I built or things I've done on my daily basis, came when I was actually working out or playing tennis. Therefore, I go and work out and play tennis pretty much all the time, especially working out. I do it like four or five times a week. And so, A, sleeping on it and, you know, valuing that, B, asking the right people, and C, putting myself in a position where I can always make the right decisions. I don't, I never, at least in the past few years that I can remember of, I don't, I don't remember struggling between making a rational versus emotional decision, to be totally honest. And I think those three factors have played an amazing role in this. I think that's that you sound that's so um what's the word? It's not fortunate because like you've worked so hard to build these people around you. Um but it sounds like quite naturally you've built these check and balance systems in your practical life that help you make those more difficult decisions 
Um, whether that's by accident. But... Self-awareness is a big role here. Whether it's by accident or not, I, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't answer that. Um, but, you know, self-awareness. And I've, I was just very lucky my whole life to grow up next to older, very inspiring people. And I think that played the key, just a key role. And I tried to not only keep that, but also be that person to younger people. You know, um, whenever someone needs advice, I'm, I'm close to a couple of people that are younger than me. I mostly hang out with people much older than me, but people younger than me. And I try to be that person that inspires them and gets the best version, you know, the best version of themselves that they can be. And ultimately, and I was, that's what I've been saying for the past, probably, I think, 47, 48 minutes, um, because that's the kind of person I want to be remembered for. If I, if tomorrow, God forbid, something happens to me and people say, Ahmed was the person that got the best version of me. And so there's someone else saying that I'm in peace. The self-awareness sounds like it's come from your surroundings as you've come of age and as you've like kind of entered your working life. Is there anything that you proactively do now that isn't kind of happenstance, but is you actively working on your self-awareness? Um, I think, so I read a lot, um, you know, a lot of self-help books. I like them. Uh, for example, taking, I don't know, How Twin Friends Are Influenced People, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think all of these big names, people know about them. I think reading helps me uh, so much. And I try to read one book every two weeks or so. Um, so that helps. Two, as I said earlier, um, exercising, sports. Um, I don't know, it has just a fascinating effect on me. And I think on most people, when they build a habit out of it, it has a fascinating effect. And that's why I, try, I always try to push people to work out. Whenever someone tells me I don't work out, I don't do any sports. I'm like, just go do it. Like both on the physical, like physiologically, it will make you feel better. And also it will, it will just improve who you are. Um, and three, I balance time with good people. And I'm trying to be extremely picky on who I spend time with, but also with myself. I don't always spend time just socializing, but also being with myself sometimes. So I think those three things, at least so far, and maybe there are better ways to do this, but so far have worked great. And I can feel being 1% better on a daily basis, like 1% better, Ahmed is 1% better every day. And when I don't, I try to ask myself why. Um, so always be on that critical path of like, oh, am I the, being the best version of who I want to be? Uh, if the answer is no, you've got to find why really quickly and fix it and you know move, on, move forward. The thing that I think I resonate most and I learn most about from your story is the way that you both create this person to chase in the future, but you also do it for the love of it in the moment. And uh, I think that's something we could, we'd all embody. And thank you so much for sharing your journey, your story, and how you've made these decisions in the past. Thanks, Ben. It was great uh, meeting you and hope uh, to talk to you soon. Cool. Enjoy the heat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, man. You too. Bye-bye. The Best Work Podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work Podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content, and more at cord.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.